0: Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for friends of the Hebrew Bible everywhere. I'm Rosie Candethal, a Louisville Teaching Fellow at Columbia Theological Seminary in Hebrew Bible.
1: And I'm Paul Esser, a PhD student in Hebrew Bible at Yale University. Our author co-hosts, Rachel Wren and Tim McPage, are off this week. So, Rosie, that puts you in the hot seat for the fourth Sunday after Epiphany, January 28th. 2024. Our first reading from the RCL is taken from Deuteronomy 18:15. What have you got to say about? about
0: I know I kind of saw the Deuteronomy <laughs> passage and my heart sank. I thought, Oh no, are we going to talk about the law this week? But I thought a couple of things here at the outset of our conversation. I want to try to start maybe by addressing the liturgical moment. We're in the fourth Sunday after Epiphany and then perhaps move towards how preachers and congregations might think about our first reading from Deuteronomy 18 in that context. Uh, what do you think about that, Paul?
1: That's excellent. That, that's exactly what I expected you to do. You do that all the time, so you know. We're always
0: trying to talk about the liturgical moment and the scriptural moment together. So, exactly. so here we are. We're in the middle of two things, right? So we're still in the post-Christmas liturgical season of Epiphany. Mm-hmm. And the church together during the season of Epiphany bears witness to the revelation of God with us, Emmanuel. uh, And in year B, we're also primarily reading through the Gospel of Mark, with uh, the Gospel of John also generously sprinkled in this year. So that's certainly one of the primary tasks for preachers, uh, Christian preachers, is thinking about how to hold the Gospel reading together with the first reading. Our first readings from the Old Testament throughout year B, however, provide a focus on the Davidic covenant and on Mm -hmm. wisdom. Mm -hmm. So we've got semi-continuous readings from the books of Samuel, Kings, Proverbs, and Job. So two weeks ago, um, I talked about the calling of Samuel. Uh, Last week, you talked about Jonah. And this week, I get to talk about Moses and the prophetic office more generally through this passage in Deuteronomy 18. Now, this becomes important for Christian congregations as we think about some of the distinctives about Mark's gospel. And Mark's gospel, if preachers will remember, congregations will remember, it begins really explosively. It's one of these um, immediate gospels. So, you know, and now, and immediately, and this, right? So things are happening really quickly in the gospel. And Mark's gospel begins with putting Jesus in line with the prophets. So Mm -hmm. Mark 1, verse 2 starts out with, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. And then immediately the Gospel of Mark shows John the baptizer with Jesus and Jesus mm-hmm. being driven into the wilderness temptation.
1: Mm. I, I, I always think that we need a, a, a separate commentary on the liturgy and the, the the textual connections in between them so that it becomes more apparent because it's not it's something that you easily pick up just by looking at the text. So I like the way you make the connections and, you know, it's a lot more clear on laying emphasis, especially on the Book of Mark in this, in this passage.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I think that, you know, the RCL, when it's when it's used well by preachers, it, it really does facilitate a conversation between the texts, mm-hmm. so that we see yes. the that these are, they're not isolated stories, but they're always uh, layered onto one another. And That's right. I think as preachers think about their task... Being able to see, uh, you know, all the readings at work together uh, mm-hmm. with a common message is is mm-hmm. one of the gifts that we give our congregations by thinking carefully through that. So right. let's, let's maybe take a look now if we've got the kind of liturgical moment in hand of Epiphany. We're right mm-hmm. in the middle of that. And now we are in Deuteronomy chapter 18, which itself also falls within the middle of a book, right? So mm-hmm. it falls within what we call the second law, the Deuteronomus. This is Moses's final sermonic address to the generation of Israel that is born in the wilderness. So these are folks who had not experienced the Exodus themselves or the covenant moment at Sinai. So Moses is preparing a new generation for the promised land. Uh, We're going to read about that in Joshua. But in these final speeches of Deuteronomy, uh, the prophet Moses himself is preparing to die. So Moses addresses all kinds of last important issues. Deuteronomy chapter 18 falls in the middle of what has been dubbed by Old Testament scholars as the Covenant Code. So it's a specific book of laws that runs from the middle of this book, Deuteronomy chapter Mm -hmm. 12 to Deuteronomy chapter 26. Mm -hmm. And in an overall sense, the sequence of laws and commands in the Covenant Code closely follow and expand upon the Ten Commandments at Sinai. So right Mm -hmm. as we're thinking about this new generation and what they need to know as they enter into the Promised Land, Moses Uh is expanding upon what the community already received at Sinai. So these laws, this covenant code, they address laws of worship, where, Uh when, Uh how, who, Uh as well Uh as other rules about society. So civil laws like property, family, how to handle Uh war and how to handle crime. So Uh there's a bit of a mishmash in legal material. Uh, but we're here in chapter uh, eighteen of Deuteronomy, just in the middle of of this code.
1: Yeah, I, I think, I think like you know, giving a good context to uh, you know a portion of a text that sort of seems uh, you know on the surface as though like they appear from nowhere really makes a lot of sense. Because I, I remember many years ago, before I actually took seminary education, I I, c- I couldn't read. Uh, you know, text like this and make any sense out of it because I had no clue of what the context was.
0: Right. I hope that's helpful because like Mm -hmm. it it is also helpful for me to kind of look at uh, chapter 18 within its context of the covenant code, right? So this little section of Deuteronomy chapter 16 through 18 deals with public officials. So folks Mm -hmm. with authority over and responsibility for the community. And preachers might pay attention to this because This section of the code addresses judges, kings, Mm -hmm. priests, and then prophets, right? So Deuteronomy 18 really focuses on prophets. And this section of Deuteronomy emphasizes that there are limits established by God on each of these authoritative offices. So Mm -hmm. power gets distributed across the roles of judges, kings, priests, and prophets so that no single office holds all the authority. And Moses's sermon here makes it clear to everyone. It makes it public and known that there are limits to the power of any of these leaders. Mm -hmm. And in fact, what I find so helpful and encouraging this week is its explicit affirmation of the role of the people. So Deuteronomy chapter 16 to 18 lays out the grounds for accountability, public Mm -hmm. scrutiny and oversight, and it includes criticism and protest over human authority no matter what the rank of the official, right? So mm-hmm. knowledge of these kinds of divine limitations empowers the members of this community to resist and protest abuses of authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's really important as we think about what do people need to know as they enter into this, uh, into this promised land? Moses right. is trying to tell them, you have a responsibility here to keep these offices in line and uh, you know, with the ultimate authority in mind, which is God. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. prophets, in particular, um, took up this role of protest, right? So they rebuke kings, they rebuke right. officials and priests, and even the people for their failings, right. right? So that's we that's right. we hear over and over the prophets. Uh, one of their roles is to rebuke civil right. and moral failings in the people. Mm-hmm. But Deuteronomy 18 also says that prophets are not above a standard either. God, mm-hmm. in God's own self, will call the prophet to account and a prophet that speaks out of turn shall die, right? So the people will be responsible for verifying the words of the prophet. Uh, In Deuteronomy Mm -hmm. chapter 18, verses 21 to 22, there's a simple test that God gives. Mm -hmm. If the prophet's words come true, then it's from God. If it's not, then hey, there's no need to fear the prophet. The assumption is that an authentic prophet can call upon the power of God Mm -hmm. to destroy enemies. And you might recall here also how other prophets have handled challenges to their authority Elijah and Elisha, uh, if you'll remember, are able to call down fire from heaven are, when yeah. folks yeah. question their authority. So, no yeah. problem here. If a, if a prophet does not speak the truth, uh, they have no authority, and the people can ignore their word.
1: Yeah, I, 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 what I see here is that this this sort of law, as it's inscribed in in Deuteronomy eighteen, is sort of um, building what I see as a prophetic community right Mm. which includes the people as well it's not just these prophetic figures um you know unleashing the word of god out of you know some divine space that the people don't have access to and they have no responsibility but to receive it but it's also given them some kind of you know leverage a seating um you know in the prophetic exchange where they have the authority and the power to be able to give back and speak back and challenge and testify to its authenticity in this case, right? So it's building a community that's accountable to each other, I guess.
0: That is so well said, right? I think this idea of the prophetic community is exactly what I'm trying to kind of get at in this passage. It is tough to preach on Deuteronomy 18 in isolation, Mm -hmm. but to think about it the way that you've just articulated, which is that these are the grounds for developing a community that Mm -hmm. discerns together. That has mm-hmm. the kind of facility of, of spirit and of mind mm-hmm. to challenge leaders uh, to consider the events of the world in which they occupy mm-hmm. and to think carefully about how to go forward who to listen to right These are critical mm-hmm. questions for every community uh, that wishes to be prophetic in the world mm-hmm. uh, how do we develop these facilities within our our own um, our own congregations right so wow. Deuteronomy 18, I think, gives some grounds for this, is that, you know, Mm -hmm. all of us are accountable, um, Mm -hmm. not just our leaders, but our congregations, right? So Mm -hmm. um, if we might sort of start moving then toward um, preaching angles, right? So this is kind Mm -hmm. of where I want to move us toward, is that the gospel reading for this fourth Sunday of Epiphany comes also in the middle of an explosive first chapter of Mark 1. So we just kind of have this um, middle of all kinds of things here uh, in Epiphany. Mm -hmm. Immediately after Jesus calls his first disciples in in Mark's gospel, Simon Peter, his brother Andrew, as well as the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, these really prominent disciples, Mark asks us to follow Jesus into a synagogue on the Sabbath located in Capernaum. Mm -hmm. And there, Jesus simply begins to teach and amazes the congregation with what Mark calls his authority. Right then and there in the synagogue, however, Jesus is confronted by a man with an unclean spirit. Mm -hmm. And in characteristic fashion, this Gospel of Mark immediately puts Jesus into a contest with the powers of his day. Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: Jesus rebukes the spirit. The man convulses and the spirit leaves him. The people who witness this, though, they marvel and they ask Mm -hmm. this kind of really uh, exquisite question to me is, what is this? A Mm -hmm. new teaching? With authority, he commands unclean spirits, and they obey. That's our gospel mm-hmm. reading for the day. That's this right. word spreads through the region, and Jesus suddenly becomes famous. And when we start putting this gospel into conversation with our first reading in Deuteronomy 18, mm-hmm. I might invite us to see a couple of issues that are emerging. So That's one right. thing I noticed, um, just as you know, Paul, you saw it, is the role of the congregation, this, this mm-hmm. prophetic congregation, this prophetic community. So these folks are not only passive witnesses, but they're asking questions. What is this? they ask? What exactly are we witnessing? What kind of teaching? What is new about it? And we might notice how this congregation does not yet make pronouncements, but they hold back. They're observing. And perhaps maybe they're even hopeful by what they see. Who Mm -hmm. is this Jesus? Is he, as Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 and 18 promised, Someone like Moses, a prophet from among their own people, into whose mouth God has put divine words and then speaks for God. So is Jesus a prophet in line with Moses? Mm -hmm. How are the people to know? Mm -hmm. Mark shows the congregation active consideration of Jesus' teaching. Who is he? What's he teaching? What's he doing? In the next verses, Mark shows Jesus healing Simon Peter's mother-in-law, sick in bed with a Mm -hmm. fever. Jesus Mm -hmm. heals her, and by sunset, the whole city comes to Jesus' door, Jesus is busy curing diseases and casting out demons. Mm. But tellingly, Mark's gospel features a Messiah who does not call fire from heaven like Elijah and like Elisha. Yep. <laughs> but instead, he willingly succumbs to death, a mm. humiliating death on the cross. So mm-hmm. I think when we put these, um, these, these readings into conversation in with one another... It asks mm-hmm. larger questions. Uh, mm-hmm. In what ways does Jesus both supersede the frame of a prophet, uh, mm-hmm. of king, of priest, of all these frames, but also mm-hmm. stay in line with uh, a lineage that we see in, throughout the Hebrew Bible that stretches all the way back
1: to Moses? Wow, this is this is such good work. I mean, you you cause me to think about two things, like the the sort of subversive redefinition of who a prophet is that the book of Mark, the Gospel of Mark is um, is is explaining, expounding here because Jesus doesn't fit in some way like the, the kind of the framework of who a prophet is that they, they know right Jesus is doing all of that in a completely different way. Um, you know, which is a powerful testimony. Um, of the sort of borders and boundaries that we um, make around things just because of our familiarity with what it is in the past, right? Mm-hmm. Versus the, the, the sort of communal um, empowering moment here for 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 the people like you know for the congregants like they asking all these questions like we we don't know this this is not what we're used to Mm -hmm. uh knowing and seeing as a feature of of the prophetic and of of what god is doing among people um and and i think that also for me um it's not just empowering but but it's also it's, it's instructive in that um It's an invitation to be an active participant and a member of a community in this case. And it draws my mind to Acts 17, which we talked about briefly at the Mm -hmm. beginning before we started recording, uh, where the Berean Jews uh, were described to be of noble character um, um, than the Thessalonians because they received the message that Paul gave them with great eagerness, but also went ahead to examine Right, to investigate, to ask themselves, is this true? And this is Paul preaching to them. It's not It's not any small teacher, right? This is Paul. But they go back and do their own investigations. So that's like active um, participation in their own faith development and in their yeah. own uh, development as a community.
0: That's so, I mean, this is again where I am heading to, is toward um, the development of wisdom. Um, mm-hmm. In our congregations and in ourselves, right is that we there is a kind of um, humble consideration of what God might be doing, but also an authoritative questioning you know which is yes. that I, I know I know God's work in my life and yeah. I you know I can be both open to a That's new right. teaching with authority uh, right. but also uh, you know hold that question closely um, right. as I develop my own wisdom and recognition of god's work in the world and Just sort of also admitting we've never seen this before, right? That's right. That we can be surprised by, you know, by epiphany, by this liturgical moment that we Mm -hmm. might continue, you know, just with with Mark's congregation and also, you know, in conversation with Deuteronomy chapter 18, we Mm -hmm. are always awake to the word of God, but also, Mm -hmm. you know, careful. Um, Mm -hmm. with the authority that we give our leaders. um, Mm -hmm. And so we recognize that we have a responsibility um, to God and Mm -hmm. to ourselves to be wise about how we um, give leaders authority and how we continue Mm -hmm. to, you know, um, to exercise our own spiritual discernment and wisdom. So that's, to me, just a really, to me, that's that's what really stands out in the conversation between these texts.
1: I love it. I love it so much. Thank you so much, Rosie, for your work on this.
0: My pleasure.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Friends, uh, we hope you found something very helpful in our discussion. I did. Um, Remember that you can find an episode on nearly every passage in the lectionary by using the search box on our website, firstreadingpodcast.com. Let us know what's helpful. Drop us an email, Facebook message, we would love to hear from you. First Reading is produced by me, Rosie Kandasal, Tim McNinch, and Rachel Rand. Until next time, I am Paul Lesser.
0: And I'm Rosie Candleful. Thanks for listening and happy
1: preaching.